everybody, and welcome back to the Champions Cast here on ZeldaDungeon.net. My name is Andy Spiteri, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Taylor Wells. How are you doing? Doing pretty good, Andy. Still recovering from the marathon, but doing really well. Uh, indeed. So it's been, uh, it's been a little bit of a spell since we've had a proper Champions Cast, and the reason for that, of course, was the Zelda Dungeon Marathon, um, which took place from the 14th until... The 21st? Something like uh, that? Yeah, 21st. The days the days kind of seem to blur together after a little bit. Um, Especially while you're there. Video games. Yeah. A lot of video games, a lot of Mountain Dew, a lot of, uh, a lot of other drinks and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, so we, uh, we went on Facebook Live for the first week that we were there and broadcasted ourselves uh, drinking beer to probably about 900,000 people, which was cool. And then last week was uh, was our recovery day. We had both landed uh, quite late on Sunday, which is a day that we usually record. So uh, we're coming at you fresh this week, a little bit rested, a little bit recovered, and we're here to deliver a good episode of the Champions Cast. So uh, sorry for the absence, but glad to be back. Yeah, super excited actually to do a proper proper episode, as you said. Yeah, so now, before we get started uh, with today's episode, uh, I do want to spend just a little bit of time uh, recapping some of the highlights of the marathon, and uh, first and foremost, I just want to give an absolutely massive shout out to uh, to all of the Zelda Dungeon fans out there that watched the stream and commented and kept us company, and uh, of course donated their hard-earned money towards the cause. Uh, we... I think we ended up with a grand total of $4,300, oh no, sorry, uh, $4,305, so an extra five bucks counts, uh, which shattered our goal of uh, raising $2,000 for the Extra Life Children's Foundation of Chicago. So just a absolutely massive shout out to all of our fans. And uh, that doesn't even count all the merchandise sales that we had as well, which proceeds for that go towards the uh the kids of illinois as well so just a just a huge thank you to everyone that participated in that it was it was really cool yeah definitely agreed i i mean it was a huge success we had a lot of fun and just the amount of people engaging with us in the chat while we're playing all the games even at what everybody likes to call dumb o'clock so it was really fun yeah it was uh it was a great time. Taylor and I were both first-time attendees this year, and I think we can safely say that we will be uh, we will be returning in the future. Invites permitted, of course. Uh, so yeah, it was it was really cool. Let's talk about really quickly some of our favorite moments from the marathon. What about you, Taylor? Uh, definitely, definitely the Ocarina of Time race, if only because I came in second. But uh, Minish Cap was yeah, a close that, second. That was a good run. Yeah. The ten player uh, Minish Cap run was just—it was crazy. So, the first I would say, uh, let's say thirty minutes of both Minish Cap and Ocarina of Time, there was ten people playing Minish Cap at once. There was six people playing Ocarina of Time at once. It was just like a balls to the wall flurry of Zelda action right away, and I—I uh, I had a blast during both of those games. Both of those were probably my highlights as well. Um, and probably Minish Cap for me because I actually pulled out a W. Yeah, it so was really cool, dude. Like you, you smashed that. It was crazy. So, so we kind of split it because you beat me in Ocarina of Time, and uh, I beat you in Minish Cap. So we'll have some interesting rematches set up for next year. Fair enough. Fair enough. So we'll we'll call it we'll call it down the middle of that. Um, another, uh, uh, I got to play I got to play Twilight Princess, which is like a marathon in the marathon uh, in and of itself. Um, and uh, got to dabble around with some of the CDI Zeldas and played a few rounds of uh, Triforce Heroes and Four Swords Adventures and uh, had, you know, I had a really good time with Four Swords Adventures in particular. Me and you got to play that, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, we did, we played, what, the first, um, I want to say, hour and a half, two hours? Probably about two hours, yeah. Yeah, and it was really interesting, besides the fact that Andy decided that my life was not worth living and killing me as often and frequently as possible saying that i did finish in first every single time my peers voted me the most helpful and the most trustworthy 
I don't know about so most helpful that. or most trustworthy, but he definitely did place it first, and I think we all know why. Now, what other games uh, did you... You played Breath of the Wild for 12 hours. How was that? Oof. That, that was also a marathon in and of itself. Uh, <laughs> it was actually a lot of fun. It was a, it was a lot more fun than I, I thought it would be. I really like the concept of playing like uh, like Zelda Bingo, and I feel Breath of the Wild really works for that. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, it seemed it seemed like a lot of fun. I think I was unfortunately asleep during almost all of Breath of the Wild, even though it was played in like the middle of the day. <laughs> I think it was yeah. So, you you were asleep for like about half of it. I think you came down a couple of times though, if I remember. Uh, maybe like like I said, the days kind of blur once you get to the marathon there. But uh, just wanted to again reiterate just like what an absolute blast it was and uh how much we appreciate everybody that that tuned in it was really cool to see like friends and family commenting and, and donating a couple bucks here and there towards uh, a good cause so um yeah it was it was a really it was a really great time and if you guys want to check out uh some of the shenanigans some of the promos that we cut some of the the better moments head over to twitch uh zelda dungeon at twitch.tv and uh, check them out. I think we're in the process of just kind of splicing them out and, and making them their own moments over there. So, um, uh, Kevin, finish yeah. that. Um, all of the all of the games have been split up into their proper categories, and then he also created the collection for if you want to watch the full marathon uncut. It uh, has each forty eight hour segment in it. Oh, beautiful. So yeah, check it out. Uh, you can go and relive some of the marathon's highs and some of its lows. Uh, the low probably being, probably being the uh, tenth hour into my Twilight Princess run, and also the uh, first maybe fifty minutes of my Majora's Mask run. So we're we're not even going to talk about that, but we are going to talk about Twilight Princess this episode. Um, you know, Twilight Princess is a game that we don't usually give a lot of love to on this show. And I know that there are just a ton of Twilight Princess fans out there. It was a lot of people's first Zelda game. So uh, we are going to spend the episode talking about the dungeons of Twilight Princess. Now, the way that we're going to do this is we're basically going to steal from our good friends Mossies and Gooey uh, over at Zelda Dungeon. They came up with a cool concept called the Definitive Ranking of the Legend of Zelda series. Now, and definitive was was a power word that we used all week long over at the marathon. So, basically, Along with it orthogonal. Works. Yeah, no, nobody used that except for you. Uh, that, that was like fetch. Okay. That that wasn't a thing. Now, the way that the definitive Zelda list works is this: basically, they had all of the games in a hat, and they would pick out two. And then of those two, they would rank which game they liked better. So let's just say that they picked out A Link to the Past and Link's Awakening. So of those games, if they liked A Link to the Past better, it would be ranked number one. And A Link's Awakening would be ranked number two. Let's say that they pulled out Spirit Tracks after. They would rank all three of those games. So A Link to the Past would be, let's say, number one. Uh, Link's Awakening would be number two. Spirit Tracks number three. As more games come in, the games get uh, get slotted into different positions, so you end up with a wildly different list. So it, it basically works like once a game comes into play, we're going to negotiate on its, on its standing and try and find a compromise of where it's going to fit, whether we think it's undisputedly first place, whether we think that it's kind of a middle of the pack, whether we want it to be above this game but not above this game, etc. So that's how Gooey and Mossies did their definitive Zelda ranking. We're going to do that with Twilight Princess's dungeons, because I think that it has some of the best dungeons in the series. But there is a little curveball that we can throw out as well, and it's going to be called Nehru's Love. How this works is, Nehru's Love allows either myself or Taylor to say definitively, no, this dungeon is going to be placed at this spot, and the other one cannot argue that. We have one Nehru's Love to use this entire time. Now, we have a understanding, an agreement between gentlemen, that we are not going to use our Nehru's Love to move a particular dungeon to first place, 
or to last place. But if we want something to be higher in the pecking order or lower, we can go ahead and we can use that to definitively say this temple will be ranked at this spot. Now, the earlier that we use our neighbor's love, the, the lesser chance the game or the dungeon that we use it on has of staying in that position. So it's going to be interesting to see how we do this. So I think that uh, if that's too much of a wordy explanation for you, I think that we're just going to go ahead and get started and uh, you guys can follow along with that. What do you say, Taylor? I think I agree. We'll see how it all shakes out. So we are going to do the dungeons of Twilight Princess and we're going to do them in a random order. We're going to talk about them and we are going to definitively rank them. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So the first two dungeons that are up are the Goron Mines and the Temple of Time. All right. These are two pretty pretty beefy dungeons, I want to say. Um, we've got the Goron Mines, which brings in a classic item in the form of the Iron Boots, as well as the Hero's Bow. And then we have the Temple of Time, which is probably a very beloved location just for its feature in Ocarina of Time. Yes, I would agree. Um, I, let's, I'm going to just focus on the Temple of Time first before I give my thoughts on Goron Mines, but I do like... I, I like the mechanic in the Temple of Time where you basically ascend to this tower and it kind of brings you into almost like a false lull or false sense of security because you've made it to the top and then you get there and you get the Dominion Rod, which allows you to move statues and you're just like, oh, well now i got to go all the way back down again. And But you have the satisfaction of moving that really big statue which can just bash you know enemies and gates and stuff like that. So it makes it a little bit more easy, a little bit more fun to get down there. But uh, I, I thought that that was kind of a, a nifty trick that they used. And it felt like a very... The Dominion Rod, to me, just feels like um, a 16-bit item in 3D, if that makes sense. It, it, I thought that it was a very cool item. Absolutely. I think uh, prior to Twilight Princess release, the Dominion Rod had only appeared in 2D Zeldas before. Am I correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... I believe you are, yeah. So yeah, that it was really neat to see uh, an older item in the Zelda series come to 3D, and what a way that they did it. I think one of my favorite parts of the Temple of Time uh, is that one kind of like variation on chess, where you're kind of moving the statue uh, in certain places on the board to make sure that you can get across. That was a lot of fun for me. Um, one thing that I didn't like about the Temple of Time, there's a room... I want to say it's on the seventh floor when you're coming down, and it has scales, and you need to get a bunch of smaller statues to to even out the the weight of the really big statue, which like kind of kind of kills the momentum. I think it was it's like a it's like unnecessary red light in this kind of fast paced descent back down into the the main room there. Um, that would be my complaint about the Temple of Time. I wonder if that's I, uh, because you've recently been playing Breath of the Wild last year and, and this year, and so you've seen kind of similar mechanics done in, in the shrines, just done better. Um, perhaps. It's, uh, it's just like an odd... It's an odd little little stopgap, I feel like. It, like for the, you know, it felt appropriate going up, but going down, you can pretty much use the statue to, to break fences, to bash large swarms of enemies, to bash the spinning spikes on the ground. So it kind of, it just kind of felt like a like a slow little detraction um, in an otherwise momentum-filled dungeon. An inappropriate um, pace changer. Yeah. Um, the, you know, another knock against the Temple of Time is that it had a pretty weak boss, I think. Um, I can't remember the boss's name, but it's, it's basically just a big sp Armagola, yeah. So he looks like a spider. He's a big spider. So the big spider is on the ceiling, and uh, you know you shoot it down, and then you use the Dominion Rod to take possession of one of four giant statues, and you basically just smack him. So you don't even you don't even hit him with your sword proper, and I think he only requires about three smacks before he's dead. So it was it was a little bit underwhelming, I thought. I'm going to agree with you there. I mean, honestly, like I love the the whole 
you know, reference to Ocarina of Time and, you know, bringing a classic Zelda dungeon boss back into, you know, the rotation, so to speak. But mm -hmm. it was it was such a weak fight for being where you are at that point in the game. Like, you're, you're what, a little over halfway through the game at Temple of Time and you're fighting... You're, you're, I would say you're... You're probably about seventy percent done at, at that point. Yeah. So it's just like it could have probably, you know, they they could have upped the ante a little bit for the boss fight. I will say though that the uh, kind of sort of the mini boss makes up for it. Fighting a dark knight one on one was pretty nice. Was pretty neat. Uh I I don't know if I agree with that. Um, just because they're, you know, they're not unique. To the dungeon you you do see them you know around in other places and other dungeons so i i think that that would be the only the only negative for me on that dungeon okay that, i, that I can see that um so let's talk about the goron mines really quickly uh i like the goron mines i think to me the goron mines is a nice middle of the pack dungeon um it's it's got it's got really cool moments. I think that the the mini boss fight with the Goron is is you know quite it's quite memorable. It's quite it's it's pretty fun. You you basically use your uh, your goat herding to to grab a Goron instead of a goat uh, with your iron boots, and you've got that topsy turvy um, platform that you're on. I think that's a really fun fight. I actually think it's more memorable than the final boss fight. Um, yeah, it's, it's, definitely. It's an unspectacular dungeon, but it's a solid dungeon, I think, fairly through and through. Um, the iron boot segments where you're walking on the ceiling are... They can be kind of slow and kind of disorientating, which I don't like. But also, I, th I think just as a mechanic, like when you jump off and you have to equip your boots and then you, you hit the magnetic field and they get sucked on the wall, I think those parts are really fun. Yeah, I... So it's... Go ahead. Uh, it's it's just like I think that for everything I don't like there's something that I do like which which really kind of evens it out is just what I was going to say definitely I think for me the Goron Mines was such a unique interpretation of an item that was probably amongst the most hated in Ocarina of Time like I don't. I don't recall a single person in my in my uh, friend group who enjoyed the mechanic of using the iron boots in Ocarina. But when it came to Twilight Princess, it was such a unique uh, alteration of how the mechanic worked and using magnetism. And then, as you said, that whole fight with with Dangoro and you know <laughs> putting your sumo skills to the test and just tossing them in the lava was. An absolute blast for me. I think the fact that the dungeon item was not really the dungeon item, you know, like the hero's bow wasn't really used all that often. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was I was just gonna comment actually is like another weakness on uh, in that game or in that dungeon rather is that you get the hero's bow, which is you know which which is cool. It's a it's a staple, but you've already got the slingshot at that point and there there's not too too much in this game to distinguish those two items because there's no child versus adult like there is no green of time so it feels like it feels like the iron boots are more so your actual dungeon item than the arrows yeah i think the concept behind it is basically like oh you're you're using a slingshot because you really only have that early on in the game. Then you get the hero's bow, which is supposed to be, oh yeah, it's it's adult slash teen link, so you should be using a you know a bow instead of a, a slingshot. But they didn't really kind of mm -hmm. give you that uh, reason or motivation to use it more than anything else. So yeah, I agree with you on that. All right, so I'm going to propose that for right now, the Temple of Time is number one. The Goron Mines are number two. Do you agree or disagree? Um, I I disagree with that. I I think I think Goron Mines does a lot of unique things that the Temple of Time doesn't, and I feel like the mini boss 
and even the final boss are just better in Goron Mines than in Temple of Time. I will propose that the item in Temple of Time and the overall setting, I think, is is more useful and funner to navigate the dungeon with. Okay, you know what? I, I can see that. Um, it's just hard because the like I just love that interpretation of the Iron Boots, but... I'll, I'll be willing to compromise with you on this one. We'll, we'll see what turns out later on. Okay, and also just just as a, as a note for Nehru's love as well, now would be the time where we have to use Nehru's love on one of these dungeons. We can't go back and retroactively use it on the Goron Mines or the Temple of Time. So we have to use it while we're discussing it. Yeah, I, as much as I love the Goron Mines, I don't think it's worth using a Nehru's love on just yet. Even if it would okay. piss off Mossies. So you're willing to compromise your you're willing to compromise now for future considerations down the line. I like that. So we have Temple of Time at number one right now, and the Goron Mines at number two. Next dungeon up is the Palace of Twilight. Okay. Now I I think I will defend I'm gonna say that this is probably gonna be last for me. Of these three, um, it's it's a unique design, but I feel like one of my big issues with Twilight Princess is just that it's very drab. It's a very drab, dreary game, and the Palace of Twilight kind of, you know, epitomizes that. Um, it has it has some neat sequences where you go in and you're trying to steal the, uh, the light orbs from this guardian hand, and the hand tracks you down. It adds uh, a sense of tension to proceedings and you know that that can be very fun but uh it you know it can also be rather frustrating too and so you need to you need to do this twice and then you enter into the larger palace of twilight and get your upgradable item which isn't really an item at all but it's just the master sword's true power so it was a it was a bland setting for me and it was a disappointing dungeon item for me yeah, I I can't I can't rank it any higher than I can't rank it above the two that we've just talked about. You know, it, it's one of those dungeons where I'm I want to rank it higher, but I'm you know I'm right there with you. It's it's hard to do it. it it's it's funny too because we have we have these episodes these kinds of episodes that remind me that you know for all of our differences of opinion, we actually share an opinion on quite a bit of things, especially when it comes to Zelda. So. I think I think that Phantom Zant was a really fun boss in the fact that, you know, he incorporates kind of everything that you've done up until that point into one boss fight, which was kind of a cool mechanic to me. But the rest of the dungeon, I agree, uh, outside of, you know, the light-infused Master Sword for its lore, lore stuff, it was just a bland dungeon. Um, the music was very bland. Like, the... the uh, I, might, I might get some some uh static for this but i i think that the music in in general in the dungeons and twilight princess is, is pretty bland there's nothing memorable like there is in ocarina of time or majora's mask um that being said it just seemed like the music was especially drab in twi in palace of twilight so uh, i agree with you i think xant is a is a really good boss battle the only thing about that is that xant i mean essentially you he I don't want to use the word steals, but, you know, I'm going to anyways. He, he just steals the best parts of other dungeons boss fights. And then once you actually get to the unique part about fighting Xant, you're basically just in a, you know, in a in a boxing ring and he's doing spin attacks at you and coming at you like a little wind-up toy. So, like, I think that part is the most underwhelming part of the whole fight. And that's the only part that's actually original. Um, so that, yeah, that to me is just like... Uh, I, I I just I can't I can't rank it any higher. I I don't think it, it's it's last for me right now. It's definitely last for me as well as of right now. All right, so we have just to recap here: number one, Temple of Time; number two, Goron Mines; number three, Palace of Twilight. All right, so the next dungeon that is up is going to be the Forest Temple. Hmm. See, this one is actually 
one of my favorites, honestly speaking. Um, I really love Goron Mines as well, and if I'm being super honest, I probably prefer Goron Mines over Forest Temple, but watching the Twilight Princess run again in, in the marathon and hearing what everybody else was talking about when, when it came to the Forest Temple and watching it and seeing it again, it really made me think about it and reevaluate its place, and it's just... It's a great introduction into the dungeons of Twilight Princess, and it's just a shame that it comes after a 50-minute tutorial. Yes. Yes. Perfectly said. Um, I uh, I was of the opinion, and we kind of talked about this while we were playing this game during the marathon, and I'm of the opinion that Gora Mines, or I was of the opinion that Gora Mines is better than the Forest Temple, and I still think that I'm at that opinion. Um, I do like, uh, you know, I do like the item that you get here. I think the Gale Boomerang is, is a cool item. Um, and I do like both the um, mid-boss fight and the final boss fight. I think that they're both really good fights. Other than that, I just don't, I don't know what it is about this dungeon that doesn't do it for me. If there's just like too many monkeys or if there's if it's not green enough if it's just like too drab I, I i don't know i don't know exactly what it is about this dungeon but it's like something always just feels like kind of eh to me when i when i get into this dungeon um i can't quantify what it is maybe it's you know i think in the back of my mind i'm always comparing this to the forest temple and ocarina of time which is my favorite dungeon in any zelda game yeah. So it, it's it's tough for me to say like yeah I think that this is a really great dungeon and and perhaps that's not fair because like I said I do like the item I like both the boss fights but something about it just doesn't work for me. One of the one of the parts of forest of the forest temple and Twilight Princess that struck me is like okay so in my original list I, forest temple would probably be towards the bottom maybe the maybe the middle of the pack when it comes to the tp dungeons but reevaluating i still think it's below goron mines along with you uh and i think one of the problems with this dungeon is that it's actually pretty long for a beginning dungeon like for your first dungeon it's fairly long it is quite long but you've also been playing for like three hours by that point so right so you're already feeling like you're into a marathon you're like wait i just got to the first dungeon what happened if you were playing Twilight Princess for the first time, what do you think your timestamp is on entering the Forest Temple? Mm, probably easily an hour and a half, maybe two hours. I was going to say probably two hours, I bet you. Yeah. I think... Um, it, the, it is It is quite long, yeah. Yeah. Um, I really... I like the Gale Boomerang. I really do. I think it's probably one of the more unique spins on an item that we've seen a million times already in in the Zelda mm -hmm. series. Um, I'm trying to think of uses you really have for it, though, beyond the Forest Temple dungeon, and maybe this is just me not having played the game in a couple of years, but I can't, I can't for the life of me, remember it. And, and like, any critical points where you need it after the Forest Temple. Um, so, Gale Boomerang, you do you use more than some of the other dungeon items that we'll get to in a little bit here outside the temple a little bit more. I also think that that's not fair necessarily when ranking dungeons because it's all about how the item is incorporated into the actual dungeon. So like um, getting ahead of ourselves here, but the spinner, you, ba you barely use it at all for the rest of the game. But in that dungeon, it's quite, you know, it, it's, it's integral to beating it. So, um, you know what? You're absolutely right. I, I apologize. I, that was not fair. Yeah, one more of those, you're off the show. All right, Jeez. it's true. Oh. Uh, so it's dangerous. I, I I don't know. You you put in your your ranking of it. So we've got Temple of Time number one, Goron Mines number two, Palace of Twilight number three, and I will chime in after you do that. I would say Forest Temple is our new number three. It's better than Palace of Twilight, but it is worse than Goron Mines. Okay, I would agree with that. All right, so number one is still Temple of Time. Um, and I know that Mossies is up there shitting himself somewhere listening to that. Number two <laughs> is Goron Mines. Number three is Forest Temple. 
and number four is Palace of Twilight. So our next dungeon up is the Arbiter's Grounds. Now, this is uh, this is a dungeon that I didn't like at all the first time that I played it, and the more I play it, the more I appreciate it. Um, it's it's got you know it's very reminiscent of the Forest Temple to start off with, since you're chasing down Pose and you need the Pose in order to open the door. Uh, so I really like, I like that aspect of it, just hunting down the ghosts and the, and you know, the, the fight with the actual ghost isn't anything spectacular, but it is cool because this is the first dungeon where you can freely integrate being a wolf and being a human into the same dungeon. So it's, it's got a lot of, uh, unique puzzle mechanics that the other dungeons hadn't had up until that point. So I, I think that the, and the, I know that I complain about this game being drab, but I think that this is kind of an exception to that rule since it's kind of designed to be that way. It's, it's you know, as the name implies, it's a place of, of death in this desert. Um, so I I like the setting and I like the mechanics behind it. Yeah, the, this, the Arbiter's Ground, I'm going to preface this by saying Arbiter's Ground is probably my favorite dungeon in Twilight Princess. And... There are just there's so many reasons for it. I agree with you, especially with the drab part. Like in a, in a game that is so filled with with like a dreary kind of atmosphere or aesthetic, this is one of the few dungeons in the game where it really really fits. As you said, I think um, it kind of also gives you the feeling of like an archaeologist kind of thing. So it's you're unearthing a lot of old history. And it really plays into the fact that, like, the lore around when you get to the Arbiter's Ground, you're finding out a lot about uh, Midna, you're finding out, finding out a lot about um, Ganondorf and what's happened to him since Ocarina of Time. And it's mm-hmm. it, it really brings a lot of things together at that point that kind of pulls me even more into the story, which I think is a strong suit of Twilight, uh, Twilight Princesses. And the boss fight. I mean, that's one of the best fights yeah, so, in the series, in my opinion. Yeah, that that's almost that's almost like I, I was gonna get there later, but so, right before we get to the boss fight, let's talk about the spinner. Um, I thought, you know, we it it kind of gets uh, dumped on by Zelda fans for being completely useless outside of this dungeon, and you know, it pretty much is useless outside of this dungeon, except for a few token moments in Hyrule Castle and like a few heart pieces here and there. But like, man, it, like, getting that item and playing with it in this dungeon was a blast. Yeah. Uh, I felt that that thing was was so fun, and you know, we'll we'll never see that item again, I'm sure. But I like that was it was so fun, just like riding on rails. It was like Tony Hawk's Pro Skate or something like that, but Zelda. I was just um, about to say that it was it was so fun. Like, there's no moment where I'm using the spinner in that dungeon where I'm not having fun. So I. Uh, I, I yeah. Let, let's talk about the Stalord fight. I would agree. I think that that's one of the funnest boss battles in probably in 3D Zelda. Um, it's it's just like it, it, the first half of it is this super frantic fight where you're trying to hit Stalord in the spine, and it gets it gets more ridiculous as like these little skeleton dudes pop up, and you're trying to navigate your way around them, and you're bouncing everywhere, and like. It's just very hectic, and then I think the second part even outdoes it because you got to scale the tower, and you're kind of going, you're zipping back and forth and back and forth, and you got to, you know, you got to zip and hit the guy right in the face. So like, I I thought that it was a very very fun fight. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, it's a shame that you don't get to use the spinner more outside, but like, I think for this particular dungeon, it like in a nutshell, uh, like what. What a what a way to end off the Arbiter's Grounds. Um, you know, you couldn't ask for a better boss fight than that. And I think that actually Twilight Princess in general has really good boss fights. But yeah, this, one, I, this one I think is the best. Yeah, outside of like Armagoma and maybe even um, uh, what to, Goron Mines' boss, like Firel or Pyrel, uh, something like Fargal that. Fargal or something like that. Firel, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, like outside of those two bosses, I agree with you. Like it tends to, Twilight Princess has some really good bosses, but Stalord, like, for such a simple fight, like when you get down to it, the mechanics of the fight are not, not that, 
complicated. But it's just so fun doing it because the spinner is... It's it's a very fun game of zigzagging and just trying to be in the right place at the right time. Getting the right bank shot off. And I can tell you, listeners, that as a fairly recent victim of having a fractured vertebrae, getting your spine shattered like that is not fun. So I feel for the poor guy. So we have what I would say is a really cool dungeon item. We have... A nice dungeon aesthetic and setting and an excellent boss fight. So that, to me, is making this a pretty strong contender in our list here. Where do you think you would <clears throat> you would rank it? Absolutely, number one. Um, of the dungeon, yep, of the dungeons that we have, I think I can feel comfortable ranking it at number one as well. So... Our new list is as follows. Number one, Arbiter's Grounds. Number two, Temple of Time. Number three, Goron Mines. Number four, Forest Temple. Number five, Palace of Twilight. All right, let's get our next dungeon into the fray here. Snow Peak Ruins. Mm, I have... I, I am going to say I love Snow Peak Ruins. I love it. It is such a cool setting like you you're in this dude's i i just remember playing it for the first time and i was like this isn't a dungeon this is just his house but his house is the dungeon that's so neat and you get to talk to uh yeti and yeto or yetta and yeto or whatever their names are throughout the whole thing the way that he just pushes you whenever you bring him like a pumpkin or something like that to add to his soup i, I just think it's hilarious i think the dungeon has a lot of charm and <laughs> it's I, I I don't know I I just I love I love this dungeon I love the setting I think it's like super charming. You know, it's this is so hard for me because when I <laughs> when I played through this this dungeon both originally and when I picked up Twilight Princess HD what was it back in twenty sixteen or twenty fifteen when it was released it was twenty sixteen yeah I, I I have a hard time with it because. Just first of all, getting to the dungeon was both simultaneously fun and frustrating at the same time. Because I can't tell you how many times I died snowboarding trying to get up there. Secondly, I got memed on at the marathon for not remembering how many damn yetis there are. And well, I'm t- don't hold that against Snowpeak. That's your own fault. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um. I don't know, like, the dungeon just, outside of its its frustrating factors for me, just wasn't really memorable. I think the best part about it was the ball and chain, because it was just so silly of, of an item, and to just watch Link, like, you know, this, this 17-year-old with probably decent fitness, but just wielding, like, this giant ball and chain, and using it to, like, slingshot at enemies, is really funny, but... Outside of that, it just doesn't feel memorable to me. Um, I I thought the ball and chain was actually okay. It wasn't it wasn't great. Uh, the The fight to get the ball and chain wasn't great, but it was like it was once you had it, it was satis like it was satisfaction, you know, pure satisfaction just to hit the ice blocks and finally see them shatter. Yeah, so I really like that. Um, I thought that uh, I was kind of expecting like fire arrows or maybe something like that to be the the item of the dungeon i think the first time that i played it but the ball and chain was fine too um but i i think that this dungeon just has more of like a story going on it's not just a place that you enter and you need to finish so you have the story of the yetis and you're trying to break the the shadow influence on uh on yetta or yetto and and free her um I'm just going to refer to her now as Blizzetta because I can't remember what her name is. So you're trying to free her and you're and you're going around and just, you know, bringing all these ingredients. And it's got like a nice little little twist, I thought, that in the fact that she, like you could talk to the dungeon boss the whole time not knowing that she's actually possessed. Um, it's got some of those classic block puzzles where you push the blocks on ice, which I, I don't know why. I always really like those puzzles. I think that they're kind of neat. Um, so like a lot, a lot about this dungeon really works for me. Um, I think it has, I think the, the item is the only 
weakness in it. Uh, it's very much similar to the spinner in that once you get past this dungeon, you don't really use it for anything. Whoa, whoa, um, whoa. You like... just told me that we can't use that argument. Well, no, no. It, it, and I'm not. And I'm not. But I am just saying, like, it, it's it's the same kind of thing as, as the spinner where it's not really used for much. But, like, in the context of the dungeon, it's it's a cool, you know, it's cool to, to break down those, those giant ice things that are always freezing you, those bastards. Mm-hmm. Um... But like the the story is what does it for me in this dungeon. If you were, if you were asking me, I would I would rank it number one. Well, I certainly agree that the story of the dungeon is very important, and it's very charming. It's very like it gives you that homey feel, like you said, with it being the dungeon being her house or their house, and the whole you know getting ingredients for the soup was really cute. But just the the dungeon itself, unfortunately, was just not. It just wasn't. It didn't do it for me at all. So the story is really the only thing it has. So it definitely doesn't top Arbiter's Ground for me. Um. So okay. So number one is Arbiter's Ground. Number two, Temple of Time. Number three, Goron Mine. Number four, Forest Temple. Number five, Palace of Twilight. Where does it fit in on your list? Um, below Forest Temple for me, but above. Uh, um. Palace of Twilight. Yeah, that one. Okay. I am going to use my neighbor's love and put Snow Peak at number two. Now, can I counter with my neighbor's love? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. How do these rules work? <laughs> We're just making it up as we go. No, you can't counter with that. All right. Uh, you know what? I guess you you could, and we could find a middle ground. Like it just drops the middle of the pack. Our... No, you know what? Let's let's just let's. You can use your neighbor's love on something after. You can put a dungeon above it if you want. Okay, that's fine. So where where are you putting it again? So we'll see how this goes. So the list now, the definitive list of Twilight Princess dungeons is number one, Arbiter's Grounds. Number two, Snow Peak Ruins. Number three, Temple of Time. Number four, Goron Mines. Number five, Forest Temple. Number six, Palace of Twilight. So we have three dungeons left to get through here. All right, let's next do this. Up, next up is City in the Sky. Oof. So I'm going to start this off. This is probably, okay, next to Snow Peak. This dungeon might even be below Snow Peak for me. I, I don't, and I don't know, because I haven't followed enough with the community about their feelings in City of the Sky, but I remember when the game first came out, like, I... Me and all my friends shared the same opinion and where City in the Sky was just awful for me. Um... This dungeon, I think, tries to... Conf- it, it gets something confused, and what it gets confused is it confuses length for epicness. Mm. This yep. this dungeon is stupidly long. It's it's so so long. Um, I would say that the second half is definitely better than the first, but the first is just such a drag to get through. Um, that that's the only like it's it's the only thing I can think of when I whenever I walk into this dungeon, I'm just like God. Here we go. This is like it's gonna take me a good hour to complete this one dungeon. So, yeah. It's it's not my favorite either the, uh, by any stretch of the imagination. The only two things that really strike me about this dungeon that I really really enjoyed about this dungeon is the double claw shots cuz who doesn't want two hook shots and the way that the dungeon uses them is pretty pretty decent and I like how they later on in Skyward Sword innovated on that concept. But um, mm-hmm. the only other thing that was, was really fun or memorable or like interesting to me was the final boss fight. With Arbor. Uh, yeah. So just going going back to the double claw shots here for just a quick second. I I did like how that was implemented. I remember like actually the first time I ever played Twilight Princess and I got a claw shot as my dungeon item, I was just like, oh what, this sucks. I already have one of these. But then like but then like you you know, you can actually use it in really cool ways. You can be Spider Man basically. Mm-hmm. Um but like that that kind of initial sense of like disappointment I feel is is the dungeon's main theme for me. <laughs> I I hate I hate the music in this place. 
Uh, oh, it's well. terrible. Like, you're there. You're there for so long. You have to listen to it. Little whistle. You have to listen to it for like forever. Um, I think that the mid boss was kind of lame. The uh, what? What was it? It was a flying. Uh, you fight the uh, the Aralfos. You fight two of them, yeah. I believe, at the same time. It's kind of they they kind of reuse the concept so, no, of the, temple. The mid boss, you you fight one at a time, and which this one be so bad, but then he starts flying around throughout the windows and stuff like that, and you got to use your Gale boomerang to make him put his shield up and then hook shot him down. It's just like it's a fight that. It would be okay if he didn't go out through the windows, but, it, like, the fight takes way too long, which is the theme of the dungeon, because the dungeon takes way too long. By the time that you actually get the double claw shots, you're probably, like, 30 minutes in. Um, it, it's just... It's too much, I think. And, and they were trying to make it just be this, like, Grandoise dungeon or something like that, and it's... It just didn't work for me. The final boss fight, I think, is uh, is cool. But it's not enough to save, you know, everything else that's going on in this dungeon. Yeah, it's it's problematic for me as well. Like Air, the Air Ulfos fight feels like the like they try to do the same thing with Temple of Time, um, but I don't know. Like I, <laughs> fighting a Dark Nut was more interesting to me than fighting the Air Ulfos. and compared to uh... you disagree? Yeah. Well, no, I, I guess I, I guess I don't disagree. They, Let they're it out, like Andy. one and the same to me, really. Yeah, okay. it, it's just like, it's just, it's so bland. Like the, the dungeon was just, it was, God, it was long and it was bland. Like it, there isn't a cool mid boss. It's just, it's just like the same kind of thing where it's just like here's just a regular enemy that you're gonna encounter, you know, at various parts in the rest of the game here's an item that you already have granted it does let you do cool things with it that you haven't done before but you know you already have a claw shot i i think that this is a dungeon where the boss fight saves it from being just a completely awful experience but like i don't know i i would be it's going to be close to last place for me for your consideration there's also two other nails in the coffin one the fact that the story going into this dungeon as well as being in the dungeon is both completely unexplored in a lot of ways like i know when skyward sword came out a lot of people were theorizing oh this could be the leftover remnants of skyloft but there's just there's too many inconsistencies and i don't think that's what they were going for really and uh, the freaking uka i don't know if they bother you as much as they bother me but like I don't see any point to them at all. Like, outside of being a very rarely occasionally useful item that m- kind of sort of mimics Ferrora's Wind from Ocarina of Time, they just, they don't they fall flat. Yeah, they, they don't bother me, but they, they definitely don't add anything, so it's, it's strange to see, like, a dungeon filled with them. Yeah. It's kind of... It was almost just like, oh, now we, now we get to learn about these strange creatures' origins. And, like, we didn't even get that, so. Yeah, so um, I'm going to definitively say this is last place for me. I would probably say that City in the Sky is above Palace of Twilight for me. Um, I wouldn't fight you on that, though, if you really felt strongly. That it's last place. Honestly, like, as cool as the Argarok fight is, the fact that everything else in this dungeon is just unfortunate, for okay, lack of a better I, term. Yeah, I can uh, yeah. I can agree with that. I, I don't have a problem ranking it last. Um, I think that it is not a very good dungeon at all. All right, last so. it is. All right, so we've got two more to get through, but before we get there, I'll give you the official uh, update on the list right now. Um, so we've got Arbiter's Grounds at number one. We've got Snowpeak Ruins at number two. Temple of Time at number three. The Goron Mines at number four. Forest Temple at number five. Palace of Twilight at number six. And City in the Sky at number seven. Next up is Lakebed. Hmm. This one is interesting because I think it it unfortunately has aspects of City in the Sky in terms of like uh, what's the, what's the right word for this? It's 
it's not memorable to me other than in ways that I didn't like. And I don't like it when dungeons are like that. But it does have some really cool things in it that put it above the rest. Like, I like the Morpheal fight. I like... Um, I like the kind of... We try we tried to remake the Water Temple and make it a better experience than it was for all of our Ocarina of Time fans. So that that was cool for me. But other than uh, that... I'm going to go ahead and say that I hated Lakebed, and I hated it mostly for the reason that you just said. Yeah. It's it's basically like a redo of Ocarina of Time's Water Temple. You have a similar structure where you have where you have one central room and a bunch of connecting rooms on different levels. You have you know the the hook shot being the main item in the dungeon. You have the similar kind of fights where you know you've got the you've got a hook shot something out of a blob. It, it's just like and then and then you add in the whole this was something that about Twilight Princess that didn't work for me at all. Is just like the water bombs. Yeah, it really cheeses me that you need to have water bombs, but you can't have regular bombs at the same time. Um, that was really so having odd. To, yeah, having to get rid of all of your regular bombs in order to get like, I think it's like fifteen water bombs for ninety rupees or something like that. Um, I I didn't like that at all, especially because at the beginning parts of the dungeon you actually need to shoot down pillars in order to proceed into like the first room um i thought i I just think that the layout of the dungeon is rather confusing and i know that some people are going to be like oh that's because you suck like blah 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 like maybe you should learn the dungeon better or whatever like i don't care like it just the way that it's laid out it it's like completely topsy-turvy it doesn't make it it doesn't give you a good indication of like where you should go next what you should do next is so like most of this dungeon to me is just spent running around with like, you know, like an ass trying to figure out where I'm supposed to go. So I, I don't like that about it at all. Plus, we don't even get to fight Dark Link. No, and there's nothing memorable about it. I'm trying to think of what the mid-boss fight is, and I can't even think of what it is. It's uh, the Deku Toad. Um, and I, I, oh yeah, that's right. And that's not good, because I just played this game. So, like... <laughs> what more of a reason do you so, need? Yeah. <laughs> That 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 fight, I don't know. I thought that fight sucked. Um, I think, uh, I think that Morpheal is cool. Um, definitely cooler when you're free to swim and uh, and try and hookshot onto his back than the first phase of that fight. I don't think that phase is very good, but um, I, I yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's just it's a pale imitation of the Water Temple to me, where you know. As I as I get older, the more I play Ocarina of Time's Water Temple, the more I like it. Yeah. The more times I play Lakebed te- Temple, the more I dislike it. So. Okay, I, I I can see where you're going with that. Honestly, like the Morpheal fight for me, the reason was so cool. Uh, unlike, kind of the rest of Lakebed, it takes. I feel like it it borrows heavily from both the Morpha fight. And the Guy Org slash George fight in uh, Majora's Mask, and it combines a lot of good elements from both of those fights and puts it into one boss. And yeah. I f- and I think it's like it's one of the few things that the temple does right. If you were asking me, I would rank this dungeon seven. Hmm. So next to bottom, or no? That's bottom right now because we haven't done Hyrule Castle yet. No, it, it would be it would be next to bottom. So City okay. in the Sky would be number eight, and then this would be number seven. I I can't disagree with you at all. I couldn't even put up a good argument if I wanted to. Now you do still have one Nehru's love, so you can use it either on Lake Bed or on uh, our next dungeon spoilers, which is Hyrule Castle. I I might have to use it on Hyrule's ca- Hyrule Castle depending on where you put it. Okay. I, I'm um, not using it on this temple, ever. Yeah, it's it's not, and I know like a lot of a lot of people out there do really like this dungeon. I think Mossies is a big fan of this dungeon, um, but you know, it's just there's a difference between being cleverly hard and just being stupidly hard. And I think that this one is hard for stupid reasons rather than like really good like brain you know, brain teaser reasons, stuff like that. So if that makes sense, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm sure like a lot of people listening are just be like, Oh, get good son. 
But, but hey, this know. is our definitive list. The definitive list. That's right. The definitive Twilight Princess Temple list. So heading into the last dungeon, which is Hyrule Castle, we've got number one, Arbiter's Grounds, number two, Snow Peak Ruins, number three, Temple of Time, number four, Goron Mines, number five, Forest Temple, number six, Palace of Twilight, number seven, Lakebed Temple, number eight, City in the Sky. So let's bring it home. Let's talk about Hyrule Castle. Tell us your thoughts. Well, I think of all the games that feature Hyrule Castle, I think Twilight Princess was one of the most important for me, and I think that's also partly to do with the fact that I was really, really young when I played A Link to the Past, so I don't have kind of quite the same memories that, say, like Mossies or, or Gooey might have of, of playing through that version of Hyrule Castle. And Ocarina of Time's Hyrule Castle was fun, and it incorporated a lot of interesting things in it, and new puzzles using the same stuff that you've been using throughout the whole whole game. But, I don't know, the theme, the, the music, the encounters between Midna and Ganondorf... The whole, you fight, you know, all these, you know, stronger, like, all the stronger enemies that you fought throughout the throughout the game. You fight King Bulbin for the fi- final time, or Bulblin, sorry, for the final time. You know, all the Dark Nuts, Dino Fools, Phantom Riders, you know, all these different, you know, really strong enemies. And then you get to the end, and it's this whole climax of, you know probably one of the longest Ganon fights in any Zelda game ever and it's just it's just so packed. I'm, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna throw a curveball at you here I think that in in order to be fair to the rest of the dungeons we count the boss fight of this dungeon as Puppet Zelda and Beast Ganon since they actually take place in the castle oh that's unfair I think unfair, if you were though. To lump all of the fights together like it undisputably it has the best boss fight in this game no if we're if we're doing that can we just have it'd be the final fight with ganondorf the one-on-one sword duel and none of the other phases uh i well i feel like that takes place in hyrule field though and so what it's still part of the climax and still considered the end of hyrule castle all right. Well, just 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 go with me here, just for a quick second. I think it, I think it's a strong enough dungeon, even without that final uh, that final fight, to warrant a, a high spot. Oh, but, uh, fine. Sorry, just go go ahead. Finish your thoughts. Finish your thoughts. No, I'll compromise with you again. It's fine. We can count it only as pos- possess Zelda and and Ganon, Beast Ganon. All right. So the first thing that I think of when I think of Hyrule Castle is the music, which is ironic because I'm dumping on the music in this game. But I think that this this dungeon has some of the best music in this game. Maybe maybe the best. Um, it's it's so cool that like the higher up the tower you get, the more prominent Gendorf's theme becomes, and it's just like this kind of slow pounding that eventually rises up into a crescendo as you get to Ganondorf's room himself. So that that always sticks out to me. I think that. Uh, yeah, the final Bulban fight was was incredible. He has like, you know, his his line where he's like, "I follow the strongest," and he gives you the key and, and leaves. I think that was like, you know, we were kind of joking that he was one of the most well developed characters in Twilight Princess. But uh, you know, so I think that's great. I think it's kind that, of actually true. Uh, yeah, you have the help from uh, what are those guys at Telma's Bar called? Like the 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 I don't know. The oh. knights or the champions or whatever. Oh, uh, darn it! The, the Order of the Phoenix, whatever they're called. The Order so of we, the uh, you have them show up at the end and like they kind of they help you out. So that was a nice little tie-in to uh, to the earlier parts of the game. Um, yeah, there there wasn't too much on the puzzle side, uh, which is fairly typical, I guess, when you get to Hyrule Castle. It tends to be more of like a fight than puzzles. But uh, I, I thought that there was a lot of good, like there were some rooms that were head scratchers, like the when you have to light the torches in a certain order, or when you have to put out the torches to raise the stairs. Um, you did get to use all of the items. Like I think this is like the only place in the game I remember that you use the spinner again after Arbiter's Grounds, mm-hmm. uh, and you just use it to get across. Because um, you don't even use the spinner then, in Zanspite, do you? 
I don't remember uh, using nope. it in Zanspite. No, you don't. Um, and then yeah, of course, there's the there's the final boss fight, which is an incredible sequence. Um, I think fighting Puppet Zelda is really cool. There, you know, there's not much to that fight, but for what it is, I think the emotion and story behind that is really cool because it's like, you know, you're fighting Zelda. Um, and I think that the B-Scan fight was really cool. It was a cool way to, like, tie in uh, the wolf transformation, which at this point, like, being a wolf in the game is, is definitely getting downplayed. So it was it was a kind of cool way to bring that back and have, like, beast versus beast. Um, so, I, yeah, I thought I think, I think that this dungeon really works. It's one of the... I think it's one of the better ending dungeons in any Zelda game. Yeah, I hands down agree. It's... It's pretty incredible, honestly. I think Hyrule, Ca- apart from Arbiter's Ground, Hyrule Castle is probably the most memorable for me out of Twilight Princess, and it's just it's such a neat, neat way to end it. And we keep coming back to this and comparing it with Ocarina of Time, and I think it's for good reason because most of the time when Twilight Princess tries to mimic the good things about Ocarina of Time, as opposed to trying to revamp the bad things. It does really well, and it and they pull it off in a way that leaves me feeling satisfied. And this is definitely one of them, and where you have the ascending Ganon theme, as you were pointing out, uh, as you climb the tower, his theme gets better, and or sorry, louder and more intense. And you know the the progressive fights through the stronger enemies in the game, the you know the the minor small puzzles that aren't you know hugely difficult or or mind-bending but are are puzzles nonetheless and using all the items that you've acquired over the game and then of course the the final fight now while beast ganon and twilight princesses like my ocarina of time that beast ganon that whole design maybe not the fight itself but that design of ganon is probably my favorite version of beast ganon um this one did really really well like, I, I enjoyed him being, like, kind of full feral, but still in control, in a sense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. And then, as you, like, I can't disagree with a single thing you said about Puppet Zelda. The whole, the theme of it, the, you know, the incarnations of, you know, playing tennis from Ocarina of Time, and then the fact that you're, you know, for the first time in, in any Zelda that I can recall, you're you're fighting Zelda herself even if she is possessed. I, uh, yeah, I think it's a very, I think it's a solid dungeon. Um, it's a solid ending dungeon. Um, probably, probably up there, I think. Maybe not the best, but probably up there with, uh, with my favorite ending sequences to any Zelda game. So, uh, where are we going to rank this game on our list definitively? If you're asking me, I would say number four. I'm going to Nehru's love and put it at number three. At number three. All right. Let me just update our list here. So we have got... We've got our final definitive list of the best dungeons of The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. So it goes as follows. Number one, Arbiter's Grounds. Number two... Snow Peak Ruins, number three, Hyrule Castle, number four, Temple of Time, number five, Goron Mines, number six, Forest Temple, number seven, Palace of Twilight, and number eight, the Lakebed Temple. Finally, we've got number nine, City in the Sky. I'm pretty satisfied with this list. So that's our list. Uh, I'm satisfied as well. I... Uh, I think on my own list, I would have swapped Arbiter's Grounds and Snow Peak Ruin, but I'm perfectly fine with Arbiter's Grounds being number one. I think it's a great dungeon with a great boss fight. Um, I debated using my neighbor's love people... to put Hyrule Castle above Snow Snow Peak, but I wanted to throw you a bone. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. I think that some people are going to be a little bit upset that uh, Temple of Time is so high, but uh, you know, I I like that dungeon. I think they're I also going to be upset that Lake Bed is so low. Yep, yep, definitely a possibility. Um, but you know what? What can what can we say? It's not a dungeon for us. I don't think. I don't think that anybody who's played through Twilight Princess uh, is gonna is gonna be upset with City in the Sky's placement. So 
I would hope not. Like, if somebody can honestly yeah, have a conversation with me and and justify it being higher than bo- the bottom, please, by all means, hit me up. Yeah. All right, so there is our list. Definitively, the best dungeons in Twilight Princess ranked from our favorite to least favorite. And there you go. And that about does it for this episode of The Champion's Cast. Uh, it was very good to be back. We're, uh, we're excited to get back to the grind and get back to producing some cool Zelda stuff. I think the marathon hangover is almost gone, so yeah. We're almost uh, there. It's good to be doing the show again. For sure. For sure. That is episode 19. Be sure to head over to iTunes and Podbean. Drop us a like, drop us a comment, drop us a subscription to the Champions cast so you can get all of the newest episodes right away. Thank you very much for listening. My name is Andy Spateri, that's Taylor Wells, and for this week, we are out of here. See you guys next time.